What happened? <gasps> Electricity flicked off all over the world. Cheese! <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, Ellie bought you a present. We're on episode 15 of the Tom and Joe show. I'm Tom. Joe. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Why now? Bearing in mind it's now 20 past 12. On Saturday morning? Yeah. Well, now, because we have done something this evening that hasn't happened in a while, and that is talking without any thing in the background. Mm. We haven't had the TV on, haven't had the radio on, Mm. and uh, just had conversation. It reminded us of doing the podcast, I guess. Yeah, and (laughs) uh, just felt like that if we were talking completely randomly, then perhaps it was worthy of actually doing it in this sort of format. Yeah. So this is my fault. <laughs> you did, you, you you instigated it. I kind of instigated this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. We got back from watching yesterday. Yesterday. Literally yesterday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which um, could get a bit fucked up. Well, yeah, it was it was bad enough booking the tickets and then showing the tickets at the place. Because booking the tickets, you're like, I want to see yesterday, but I was booking it for tomorrow. <laughs> and then I had to repeatedly check the date that I got it correct. Because mm. obviously I've done that in the past as well. We all have. I've booked it in for the day that I booked it on as opposed to the day that mm. I was supposed to be booking it for but throw into the mix that the film is called yesterday yeah i didn't get that really well, i understand understand you know, it but yeah. i think that there are possibly several other better titles that you could have played with before you arrive at that one sure it's about a bloke let's not no let's you not. don't want to no, talk about the film no, yesterday not no. really all oh, right okay no. that's where i was that's no. what i was heading into because i literally don't know where this episode's going to go otherwise. but that's fine because it's it, we're having a conversation uh-huh and we're now recording our conversation that we were having over there about half an hour ago <laughs> Yeah. It's taken you a long time to sort yourself out because you've got so much paraphernalia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine because it's it's good. This is good. This mm. is what we want. Mm. But we don't want to be talking about the film that we watched. Why did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? John, Paul, George and Ringo, The Beatles. No, stop it. Yesterday. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Well, it's not Coldplay. It's not Fix You. But I will probably rate it six or seven. That's exactly what I did. Three Um, stars out of five. Right, Which is a six out of Mm. ten, isn't it? Yeah. Because Mm. it's definitely a film. It's watchable. But it's not great, No, it's not. It was fun to watch at the time but as soon as you start thinking about it that's when you fall into the danger zone because mm. so, a lot of its own internal logic doesn't really hold up mm, no but anyway we mm. will say no more about that I feel maybe I just don't, don't, just don't think it's a very good uh, idea okay well we weren't bowled over by it let's just put it Not that way really. right? so really. um, how about top five 
musical biopics? I don't know if I've seen that many. Uh, hey, you will have done. Well, I, I'm going to need to dredge it up. Yeah. The, my go-to is always The Doors, as we know. Sure, yeah, which we watched recently, actually. Which we watched recently, and then we? I started to sort of pick holes in that mm. because I felt that 1990, 91, I think it was made. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which was actually when I discovered The Doors music. Mm. And um, I think because of the film, Light My Fire was re-released as a single and made it into the charts in 1991. That's how my memory serves me. That's before Lulu did it with Take That, right? Excellent. Excellent tumbleweed. Oh no, that's relight my fire, isn't it? Sorry. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, oh, just you've just made me lose my thread. Sorry, Why do you have uh, to be light so my, light my fire. stupid? <laughs> yes. Re-released no. in. Okay, light my fire. Yeah. Not was re-like. re-released. No, no. Re-released. Forget the re. Right. Okay. No. Cool. Jesus Christ. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. uh, Was re-released in 1991 mm. because of that film, and I grew very tired of that song. At the time. Yes, because right. it was overplayed. It was almost as if people were rediscovering the Doors. Mm. Maybe they were. I don't know. They may may well have been. And I suddenly became a fan very quickly because of Riders on the Storm. Probably Mm. talked about this before. If we go trawl through the previous 14 episodes, (laughs) I have probably probably mentioned Riders on the Storm before. Mm. But then you get other songs which are far superior to mm-hmm. light my fire yeah and then you get the portrayal of jim morrison that val kilmer uncannily does very well mm. including his weight gain mm. now he looks like a I, I don't know a shiny he's a shiny... had some problems hasn't he because while mm. while we were watching it i looked him up because it it'd been a while since i'd remembered seeing him in public and he looks emaciated just well embalmed yeah i mean he's had throat cancer but he also looks a bit kind of mickey rawkish which we said yeah Uh, it's it's not a good look anymore no but it'll be interesting to see what happens because apparently he's in top gun 2 Mm. maverick whatever Mm. it's uh if that's going to be the final title Mm. so that'll be interesting to see what they how they explain away his not bizarre appearance. Well, they're gonna they're gonna oh, they're, they're gonna do what they've done. They're gonna de-age him, aren't they? They're gonna cryogenically return him to his former glory. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they'll make him. Maybe they'll, yeah, not fill him out. <laughs> well, not age or possibly. de-age, but. Make him Smooth less. Him out. Well, yeah. Whatever. I don't know. I mean, course, you can do yeah, anything these days. Very sad because also, um, I think the doors must have been just before he got the role as 
Batman in the oh, I don't bloody know. Sh- he was one of the Schumacher ones. He wasn't the really shit one, which was George Clooney in the one with he was the Schwarzenegger. One. He was the the yeah. After Keaton, he was Batman Forever with Jim Carrey oh, and Tommy Lee Jones. I don't but know. one of the stunts he did in that gave him tennis elbow. He got this massive lump mm. on his elbow, which is still there in heat. Also called bursitis. Is that right? Yes. Okay. But I think that was, yeah, the doors were slightly before that. So I was looking at his elbow a lot in, in the doors to make sure that he didn't have the tennis elbow Check going out his on elbow. Yeah. Mm, lovely. But yeah, it's, it's a good film. I enjoy it, the doors. Yeah. But for some reason, both of us this time around didn't enjoy it I as think, much as we had no, done in the I past. I think it's probably because since then things maybe have been done better Mm. you get the impression that it's romanticizing jim morrison yeah for what he was at the extreme version of himself yeah where if you read about jim morrison he was actually very poetic and quite withdrawn Mm. a lot of the time it was only when he drank or Mm. took mind-bending substances that he Mm. became that other person but uh yeah you you find i think reading about jim morrison is probably going to be your better point of reference yeah because i think the way that val kilmer plays him and and he's portrayed in the film is um it's very intense great all the time though there's none of the Mm, no there's none of the kind of introverted uh, genius it's all extrovert mm. isn't it so that's one biopic the next obvious one is probably i I don't know whether you would call walk the line oh absolutely biopic. yeah 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 without a shadow of a doubt that's one i could watch over and over yeah without getting bored yeah i mean i, I think i've probably watched it maybe five times mm. well i'm probably close to that then yeah because uh, you you kind of fall in love with Johnny Cash, don't you? Mm. And if you didn't like him or didn't know much about him, by the time you've watched the film, you want to know more about him. Yeah, I think it's a good jumping off point for sure. And I think that's what really good biopics do, is make you want to find out more. Because mm. you shouldn't just want to leave it at that. <clears throat> Especially if it's just showing... It's not showing the whole life. Like the walk the lines, good because it's kind of warts and all. It doesn't portray him to be a great guy. Like he's not great to his family a lot of the time. Like obviously, there's the the wife whose name I forget, and he had two or three kids with that with the with the first wife, and you know he's carrying on the affair with June Carter. And he doesn't have a great relationship with his dad, although apparently that's a little bit more put on in the film than it was in real life. But it only covers the period of his life from childhood to Folsom Prison. It doesn't do anything from like the 60s onwards, basically. There's 30 years that's cut out of that, and there's loads more to go into. Yeah, I think it's a really fascinating portrayal. Mm. I think... In that case, then, you have to bring the Buddy Holly story 
See, I've not seen that. Gary Boosie plays the part of Buddy Holly, and it's almost done in the same sort of way of Walk the Line. Mm. Also, on on the back of that, so is La Bamba, the right. Richie Valens story. One. The fact that he was 17 and died in the same plane crash as Buddy Holly. Mm. And you think that the 50s saw off two brilliant young men just starting out in the music industry. God knows what Buddy Holly would have gone on to do. So yeah, I think I think that they open your eyes up to, I, I suppose, people who've never heard of them or, I mean, in Richie Valens' case, I'm more so. Buddy Holly, I think, is perhaps more prolific, but Richie Valens less so. Yeah. It's kind of like we went to see the Jersey Boys at the cinema, didn't we? The Clint Eastwood-directed film of the musical. I remember that being quite... I I enjoyed that. We haven't seen that since, though, have we? No, we didn't buy it, and we never never watched it since. No. But I do remember enjoying it. Mm. Not that I knew a lot about, you know, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons before that. Only that he was Mr. Falsetto and uh, perhaps made at first. I think the Grease soundtrack, Mm. because he did the uh, theme song. That's right. uh, Perhaps was a bit of a kickstart in his career or or rejuvenation of his career, Mm. perhaps. And then I think building on from that, Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously. Yeah. But what's going through my head at the moment is trying to think of anything in between what we have. Mm. I was going to mention one, but now I've forgotten it. But uh, I I really wanted to go and see Rocket Man, and I still haven't got Mm. round to it yet. Because apparently that's much more of a musical than it is a biopic. It's more like a jukebox musical, in that Elton is remembering it through rehab. And he's a uh, unreliable narrator, so songs appear out of context. Not, oh, right. Like, so certain songs happen mm. in the story before or after they would have happened in real life to kind of fit the narrative. Okay. In the way that Mamma Mia or something mm. slots those songs in to propel the story. But it's all set around Elton's rehabby kind of drug getting over drugs and addiction oh yeah it's an interesting sounding film really want to see it but haven't so we'll be interested to hear about you know people having been to see it yeah oh well um one of my work colleagues saw it a couple of weeks ago yeah because he and his wife are uh elton john fans and Mm -hmm. he said it was enjoyable Mm. my mum went to see it and she she enjoyed it as well mm. but Apparently, Dexter Fletcher is the guy for these kinds of things. Oh, is he? um, Well, he salvaged Bohemian Rhapsody. The original director was Brian Singer, who is more known for the original X-Men franchise. He has allegations, kind of Me Too-style allegations against him. lovely man. And that is the reason that he was kicked off Bohemian Rhapsody. And Dexter Fletcher. From Lockstock. Lockstock. Uh, press the gang. Elephant Man, Press Gang. Elephant Man. Elephant Man? He's in Elephant Man as, as a, child. a child. Yeah. That was 1980. Yeah. He's in it. <sighs> One right, of the, okay. a child in that. Like a, like a sprog who was in 
Bugsy Malone or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that kind right, of... Okay. He's in Bugsy Malone too. That, yes, he's also yeah, in that. I, yeah. yeah. Um, As is Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's about nine in that or something. Yeah. Daft. Um, Mark Curry. But he did... He, he saved Bohemian Rhapsody from becoming a complete, a complete car crash. He essentially got brought onto it with something ridiculous like two weeks left to finish mm. the shoot and reshot something like 50 or 60 percent of oh, the film right which is why there's a few editing things in there mm. that are not brilliant but he also did the uh, proclaimers one sunshine on leith which i really want to see as well okay because apparently it's brilliant how have they warranted an entire film on the back they're, of two songs they're highly regarded mm. as Craig and Charlie Reed. Yeah, apparently so. Two Mm. ginger Scottish blokes with glasses. I wouldn't call them ginger. Sort of... Wouldn't you? Not really. It's sort of yellow. I mean, they're not the same kind of ginger you are. I'm not ginger. I I beg to... (laughs) You're not right now. (laughs) But naturally... Just red. Red, red, red. Yeah, you're a redhead. Yeah, but we're going down things that we haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> you were quite. You did that. Oh, thanks. That's How what... about Mozart? Oh, what? Um, Amadeus. Amadeus, that's it. Not Mozart. Sorry. Well, it's a it's a romp, isn't it? Yeah. Because you start being a genius at the age of four. Mm. And then you die of alcoholic consumption at the age of 34 Mm. or 32, whatever he was. He was early 30s. I mean, you have to consider the weight of your own genius, don't you? Mm. Um, Tom Hulse, wasn't it? That's right. I think it's a a great, great film. It is. It's long. (laughs) Yeah, it's about three hours, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. I think we watched it over two nights. Am I right? That was probably because we started it late. Yeah. Like now. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Yeah. This is rare, by the way. Yeah. I'm normally spark out by... Uh, oh, you'd have been in bed oh, three hours ago nearly. Yeah. You know. So God knows what's actually happened <laughs> tonight. We have to take these moments when they appear. We do. Chances of me actually going to bed at the moment are slim. Mm. I'm not tired. No, 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 not tired, not tired. Hence doing this. Absolutely. But no, uh, Amadeus, I really, really enjoyed. I love the fact that it's essentially from Salieri's point of view, isn't it? It's kind of narrated by Salieri. Mm. The guy who plays Mozart, whose name I can't remember, plays him as this kind of Tom Hulse. Oh, sorry, I thought that was the director. Covered that. Sorry. Plays him as this kind of giggling buffoon. Yeah, and, he never uh, grew up though, did he? That that was the well, point. Well, no, I, I suppose when, he when was the you're... original um, kind of child star, wasn't he? Well, nine. Yeah, I think yeah. was his first big piece. But it's knowing how all the pieces of the orchestra fit together to be able to make that sonic landscape. Like, it, it, there's so much complexity in it's there. It's madness. Absolute that, madness. Yeah, it literally is like learning another language. Other musical biopics that I have enjoyed, Sid and Nancy right. is one that okay. I would definitely 
recommend because mm-hmm. Gary Oldman's brilliant <laughs> and so is it's um Hole Hole? Yeah Courtney Love Yeah isn't it her? No, no? God who's, no Who's the actress? Not a clue Oh no Um Best look that up then eh Well only because I can't remember who it is Hmm Oh, Chloe Webb. There you go. Yeah. Not Courtney Love. No. Although Courtney Love is in it. Yes, She's a character Gretchen, so yeah. uh, she was there. Mm. David Heyman's in it. The bloke from yeah. Yeah. The Paradise and all those yeah. other things. He's Malcolm McLaren. Fucking hell. Mm. Right. There you go. Better watch that again. Yeah, definitely. It's been a while, to be mm. fair. Uh, going down that path still yeah. uh, the Glenn Miller story mm. Jimmy Stewart right yeah yeah uh, I don't think I've ever seen it well you're missing out on something mm. because have we got it yes mm. of course we have <laughs> James Stewart it's fan. a Jimmy Stewart film right yes. yeah yeah you've got it yeah and it's one of one of his um, yeah, it, it, Jimmy Stewart just always plays this pained and awkward person well yeah but um yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil that. I'm going to just leave it at the fact that uh, the Glenn Miller story is something mm. that's worth because he, th- through the uh, the 30s and the 40s, produced some very uh, iconic oh god tracks. Yeah, again. yeah. His Moonlight in Vermont. Yeah, is that one yeah. that everyone kind of goes, oh my god, and you know and. Yeah, six five six five thousand. Yeah. yeah, and little brown jug. Yep. But you th- you think that something like Moonlight in Vermont, no one would pick as a first dance. Mm. I probably would be that person <laughs> to do that because right. because because it's you know? classic. Yes, uh, it's, it's, boy, hard it's big to beat. band stuff. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? It's hard to beat. Yeah, and, and no one would pick it. Mm. Not that I'm suggesting anything, of course. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, another one that I really enjoyed, I don't know whether you've seen, is What's Love Got To Do With It? The Tina Turner one. I have one. indeed. Yeah. Yeah, Angela Bassett. Oh, my God. Amazing. And, uh, and Larry Fishburne. Larry. Larry yeah. What an arsehole. What an arsehole is Ike Turner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've seen that several times in fact the first time I saw that film it was on late and I caught the start and I thought I'm not going to bed because I <laughs> yeah. actually have to watch what happened well, I knew you know what happens to Tina Turner yeah but fuck me what a you don't realise quite what she went through no. with that man no like everyone knows that he was a bit abusive and whatever but jesus mm. yeah that was uh that yeah was it's utterly something. compelling isn't it because i think the first time i saw it was on like channel four really late at night yeah and i just was like oh what's this oh it's about mm. tina turner yeah am i bothered yes but I'm actually bo- yes, i am actually like, quite bothered by, yeah, by this absolutely i am yeah yeah it's mm. uh it's riveting Really, really is really riveting, and um, Angela Bassett does a really good job of uh, voice miming. Yeah, certainly. 
But yeah, that's... Uh, I think, oh God, it, isn't it interesting that anyone with a story, and all of them quite troubled mm. as well, just makes... Um, well, it makes for the perfect story, doesn't it? Like, sometimes you can go from super talented to massively drug addled back to the status quo Mm. or sometimes it's a descent into hell Mm. sometimes it's the rise well like what about the fact that we watched um the dirt recently Mm, as well yeah that's true it's a netflix thing isn't it yes about motley Motley crew having read the dirt which we both have yeah they obviously they have to miss bits out Mm. I, i i don't know whether it captured the full extent mm. of their debauchery it was interesting to see it put on screen but i think a lot of it the way that it's described in the book is so much more kind of visceral mm. and gritty mm. than you could ever really even netflix who, who have like a really interesting stance on well, this you know, is this is this is kind nastiness. of why this is kind of why I'm interested in seeing what happens with the heroin diaries mm. because um, is that going to happen? Is it? Well, Nikki Six has written part two. Mm. It's almost as if oh, I I I died twice in this one. <laughs> yeah. Now look at what happens in part two. Yeah. He he, I I really do rate Nikki Six. I do, I don't think he's lost any of his youth. Mm. Uh, I think he's grateful for his life, mm. and I, I find him much more appealing than Tommy Lee. Tommy <laughs> Lee is almost yeah. going through another midlife crisis yeah. right now. I don't, I don't want to get into that, just in case they listen. <laughs> you know, you never know. You never know. You never know. You don't. But uh, but Nikki Six was almost all, always my favourite one, mm. and remains so today mm. uh, because I just like his attitude he's become a photographer and just really celebrates life mm. he, he's a, a doting father he's about to become a father again at the age of 60 his wife is about to drop any moment who's what in her 20s mm, or... don't be horrible is she not no, not quite that young but uh, I think she sees him for what he actually is. And I genuinely believe their relationship, even though there is a 20-odd year age gap, mm. I genuinely believe that. Because I probably would buy into him as well, mm. I think. But I, 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 just, I just felt that there was something lacking in the dirt. Yeah. It just it moved through things too quickly for me. And and that's the problem as well, where like you've got a band who even in the book itself only really goes from what, the late seventies through to the nineties? Well, the time where they were at, were actually recording stuff, yeah, yes, of yeah. course. In a novel, in a book, you're able to take your time. Whereas in a film, you've got, you know, somewhere between maybe two to three hours. It's just a little bit too uh, fast. Condensed. I think Bohemian Rhapsody got the pace right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I didn't feel cheated of any chapter. No. I think it was great that it started and ended, essentially, with the Live Aid concert as far as as far as queen is concerned mm. the audience that that attracts knows queen from 
1985 to 1991 Mm -hmm. forgetting the fact that there's a queen audience that predates that oh definitely even though i know that there were bits that were out of sync bohemian rhapsody as a film was brilliant Mm. i really enjoyed it yeah i didn't feel cheated in that film no no not at all so that that's kind of my point yeah yeah kind of my point that it was chronologically spot on in terms of when they were at their peak there are there are ones i want to see like control what's the one with uh that is about um joy division okay why because i don't know it's weird because i don't really like joy division as a band Mm. there's something kind of intriguing can can we then include the ian jury (gasps) sex and drugs and rock and roll is brilliant right it's a great film okay he's an arsehole andy circus (laughs) amazing yep and um, the kid who plays his son, whose name completely escapes me, but was in Son Douglas of Rambo. Booth. Yeah, really good as Is well. Is it Douglas Booth? I don't know. No, it's not Douglas Booth, because no, that's the Culture Club one. Douglas oh, Booth. Oh, right, okay. That was Boy a straight George. TV one, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of the kid. He was in Son of Rambo. He's been in a, a couple other things since. And Mackenzie Crook's in it as well as the keyboardist. Okay. Yeah, it's great because, again, it's an unreliable narrator, again. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of it is focused through Andy Serkis as right. Ian Jury on stage mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. various points. It's a bit mm-hmm. like the Charles Bronson film with um, Tom Hardy. Right. Where he's, like, he's kind of like Called a clown. Bronson. Bronson mm. Where, <laughs> like, um, it's kind of imagined almost in his head where he's, okay. like, you know, he's on stage and he's performing... Mm. And there's bits in Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll that's like that. He's on stage and it's kind of pantomime. Right. I I had one just then. Mm -hmm. But it's escaped me. It'll come back in a moment. Because I don't think there's ever been an Elvis one, has there? Oh, that's what I'm supposed to tell you. Tom Hanks is going to be playing Colonel Tom Parker, the guy who essentially oversaw Elvis's career and tied him to all those shitty films. Right, okay. And didn't let him go into better films. Like he, he he controlled Elvis through the 50s and right the way through to the 70s, basically, until his comeback. So that'll be quite interesting to go and see. Mainly because Tom Parker is an arsehole and Tom Hanks is not. <laughs> the furthest thing from it. So it'll be quite interesting to see Tom... Hanks playing against type. The the one biopic I haven't seen uh-huh. is uh, Nowhere Boy. Being that that's I'm, the John Lennon one before correct. the Beatles, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've read his sister's autobiography, which is just incredibly moving. He is my favourite Beatle by a long stretch. I think his voice is better. I think his story is more tragic, even though he and Paul share very similar tragedies yeah and there's something more tragic about john's and of course his Demise. untimely yeah death yeah i think that's definitely uh something i want mm. to see mm. but um, talking about nowhere boy wasn't there oh shit backbeat yeah um again great in the 90s but 
when you watch it a second or third time, mm. loses its flavour. Because I've only ever seen it once, but I, qu- I, I enjoyed it. It is enjoyable. I mean, Stephen Dorff's accent ain't great. My problem is, yeah. my bigger problem yeah. is the okay. fact that Pete Best has always been called the fifth Beatle. Mm-hmm. But Stuart Sutcliffe was the fifth Beatle or the fourth has... Beatle. Or, you know, he, he was a yeah. Beatle. It, that film especially portrays him to have way more agency than any of... Because it was at a time where Pete Best was also in the band as the drummer, right? No. And then they meet Ringo in Germany. Is, no, what? Isn't that part of the story? They meet another drummer. It's not Ringo who is in the band at the beginning of Backbeat, but Ringo is met at some point, whether or not it's before Germany or in Germany, or am I... I have no idea. I, I, you've blown my mind. I don't recall that. But that that's not really the where uh, I no, was going. No, 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 that's fine. And that's what, what's thrown me, because Sorry. I'm on some other trajectory. Yeah, yeah, and carry on with your trajectory. thrown me with no, that. No, I just... I, I, I just feel that, you know, fate has a funny way of dealing, dealing with things and Stuart Sutcliffe's story is as it is, that he had a, a brain hemorrhage and that was it. But can you imagine John, Paul, George and Stuart? Mm. <laughs> John, Paul, George, George and Pete. Yeah. Or John, Paul, George, Ringo and Pete, whatever yeah. he was however he fitted into the whole equation yeah. it's just really sad but I, I i genuinely thought it was you know a, a pretty good biopic i don't know maybe maybe it warrants a second watch mm. um the joe meek story he's better known as a record producer right, yes. than yeah. anything else but it, it fits with musical biopics it does it does absolutely what a horrible mm. Because I think his his character in the film was played by a guy called Con O'Neill. Yeah, sounds about um, right. Yeah, I just I've I've got visions of a guy with a very massive head mm. and a long body and short legs. <laughs> right. But yeah, Con O'Neill. I don't know where I I'm shit with names. Yeah. And I don't know where this is. Oh, Jack Daniels is good for me. <laughs> it allows me to remember things. Maybe I should teach on Jack Daniels. Yeah, Con O'Neill. Well, there you go. How mm, good is that? Well done. But- Kevin Spacey's in it. And <laughs> Nick Mar- and James Corden. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's some sort of part of the crew, isn't nope. he? He's a drummer. I think he's a drummer. He is, yeah, yeah, you're right. I remember mm. it was, you know, around about the same time he was in History Boys. It was that kind of era, wasn't it? Perhaps. James Corden Perhaps. before he became James Corden. Yeah. Is it called the Joe Meek story? Uh, it's called Telstar, Telstar. colon the Joe Meek yeah, story. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because Telstar's a brilliant song, right? Well, it's an instrumental, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But it was, it was recorded for... Not Sputnik, but one of the satellite launches. Possibly. Telstar, in fact, was the name of the uh, oh, the satellite. I was yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
But yeah, I've I've seen that a couple of times. Mm. And uh, if Con O'Neill's portrayal of Joe Meek is to be believed, you can see this guy just just descending into mm. complete and utter uh, madness and and chaos. And it can only really end one way. The guy was highly strung in the first place. Yeah. If that is to be believed. Mm. And it's it's very difficult because I like to read things before I watch them so that I've got a point of comparison. And uh, I sort of fell into the Joe Meek story because my dad had mentioned him and uh, said, you know, there's this thing, this film watch it and so I did and and uh, I, I don't have a point of reference so I don't know how legit it is I would like to know that Con O'Neill gives a frank portrayal of Joe Meek but yeah for anyone listening to this look, look Joe Meek up because he was doomed to failure and if I'm going to put an English teacher spin on this he is uh, an archetypal tragic hero Right. He was gay, right? Someone who sets himself an insurmountable task. Mm. Yep. And he was out to kind of produce... In the 60s. The most ridiculous sounding records. Yeah. Yeah. You know, way ahead of their time. Yeah. The equipment wasn't available to make the sounds that he wanted to make. No, that's right. And he Uh, got more and more frustrated with, with that. Uh, there's a there's a bunch more that I haven't seen stuff like Straight Out of Compton I really wanted to see at the time the NWA one where um, Ice Cube's son plays Ice Cube which would be really interesting no idea who plays Dre and Easy E but I don't know whether Eight Mile counts because Eight Mile is a fictionalized version of Eminem's kind of rise up through the the battle rapping thing right okay i have seen it enjoyed it yeah me too thank Uh, you but frankly don't think it counts Mm. i i actually have to say that that film uh made me prefer him with brown hair (laughs) yeah bit of a knob with blonde hair (laughs) quite fanciable in actual fact. With his... Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. sure, sure. But yeah, it was kind of fictionalised autobiography, plus written and filmed by the man himself. You can never quite, mm. you know. Mm. So I don't think we can really uh, include that. But I'm just thinking there's, there's definitely another one. I've not seen Ray, the Ray Charles one with Jamie Foxx. No... Um, there are going to be so many that we haven't seen. Of course. Isn't there one where Kate Blanchett plays Bob Dylan? I haven't got a clue. And I just think that must be nuts. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Florence I... Foster Jenkins. Ooh, good God. <laughs> With Meryl Streep. Hilarious. Playing Florence Foster Jenkins and Hugh Grant playing her husband. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's got to be one about Edith Piaf. Mm, mm. There is, Probably. it's in French, it's in black and white. There's it's, also uh, got to be one about Maria Callas as well. There must be, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it's about memorable ones, isn't it? I mean, we yeah. we started off with The Doors. We've 
ended up with Joe Meek. Yeah. And you, you kind of, it's the same decade, mm. and yet what, very different lives. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that will cover that. Yeah, don't probably. I was going to ask what your favourite one is. I don't have a favourite one. Yeah. Well, um, no. no. Mm. <laughs> it's tough though, isn't it? Because I really enjoyed Florence Foster Jenkins, but it's not my favourite biopic. <laughs> no, I, I just... Uh, mm, no, I don't have a favourite. Purely because... I just I think it's about integrity, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, the one that I've watched the most is Walk the Line. Yes, like that is one that I can easily turn back to. But whether or not it's the best, I don't know. In which case, uh-huh. I think probably I've watched the Buddy Holly story more. Mm-hmm. I would quite like, even though he wasn't a musician, mm-hmm. I would quite like there to be a some sort of biopic about James Dean. Right. I want someone to do that because mm. I think he has a story. So if anyone is out there <laughs> would like me to write the uh, screenplay for that, then let's hook up. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe Adam's <laughs> your man. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he is. Yeah. But yeah, I could. I need to write the I need to write a screenplay for Jekyll and Hyde because there isn't one mm. and I need to write the screenplay for the biopic of James Dean because that guy has a story mm. not to mention Ethan Frome not to mention Ethan Frome even though that has been done with Liam Neeson and uh, painfully so I think it needs a different cast I mean everyone's redoing things yeah. I'm going to redo some shit do that. It's coming up to the summer holidays. It's coming up to the summer holidays, yeah. And the fact that I've been having half days for the last two and a half weeks, <laughs> maybe I should be filling it with uh, other You've joys. You've had stuff to do. You've I've had, had stuff to do. To do. Like, yes. It's coming up to the summer holidays, though. You'll have less to do mm. and more free time. Surely you can get yeah. your, uh, your writing on. Uh, Let me do that. And give that a go. Let me do that. <laughs> on that note so yeah until next time Mm. we'll catch you when we're up at midnight two o'clock in the morning which it almost is now it feels good yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah you feel good it's been it's been good fun Mm. it's been i always enjoy again it all comes from the fact that we were just talking together with no uh preconceived notion yeah the tv wasn't on the radio wasn't yeah. on it was just you and me chatting and then you know nice. you were like get the microphones out yeah <laughs> so uh yeah hopefully this happens a lot sooner than last time because it's been basically a year well, since we recorded the last three all in a row <laughs> so yeah until next time that we are together and we are recording for your benefit Asia. <laughs> benefit <laughs> not which the is, right word which, which is obviously. better which is better than I, don't know. I don't know your enjoyment uh, yeah uh, your delectation in, indeed how's that uh, we cut will... all the other words out can we go for delectation delectation yes uh, we will see you next time uh, so au until then <laughs> au revoir or a bientôt yeah. uh-huh. which means see you soon does it yes okay cool well see you soon
Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. from performing any tunes that remind the inmates that they're in prison. You think they forgot? 